Welcome back to the Sully Scoop, where three lifelong Husker bros dive in-depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade, under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans, with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. The Sully Scoop is the official Nebraska Cornhusker football podcast, brought to you by Big Banter. And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Cornhusker podcast, The Sully Scoop. This week, you're on with your two favorite hosts of The Sully Scoop panel, T-Sull and B-Sull. And let me tell you, that Husker performance on Saturday against Maryland sent J-Sull to an early grave. And that's why it's just the two of us this week. T-Sull, I got to get your opinion. What was your biggest takeaway from this Maryland game? My biggest takeaway from the Maryland game there, B-Sull, is I'm pissed off. And I'm pissed off that I wasted $5.99 to watch the Huskers blow another game and play absolutely like crap. And and that's ultimately what I'm going to put it at. I'm pissed off that I wasted money, and I think the Nebraska University should uh, reimburse me for that Peacock money. Yeah, I, I think there's a handful of takeaways you can take from this game, T-Cell. Your, your six bucks isn't isn't one of them. I got to tell <laughs> For you. For me, my, it is. It, you know, it is what it is on that aspect of it. But I got to tell you, my biggest takeaway is the entire game. I shouldn't say the entire game. It, it did feel like most of the game, though. I felt like the guy from the water boy in the stands, Rob Schneider, where he goes, oh, no, we suck again. That's how it felt watching this game. That's exactly how this game felt. Didn't matter who was in a quarterback. Harburg looked terrible. Sims, even worse. And then you bring Purdy in and you run the freaking ball. Emmett Johnson looks like a man among boys. And what do you do? You get down to the red zone and you throw the ball. I think the biggest issue here coming out of this game is that Sapp still has a job. Well, B-Saw, I got to say, I'm not surprised that Sat still has a job. I hate him just as much as the next guy. But ultimately, when the fans are calling for for a coach to get fired, especially in a first year of uh, Matt Rule's new uh, tenure, if he fired Sat right now, and the, fan, the fans would be happy. But then all of a sudden, I'd think about it for a second and be like, wait a second, that's not good. That means now he's starting to question his decisions. He's starting to question his coaches. He's starting to fold to the media. And you can't have that, especially not in Lincoln. The media, the fans aren't going anywhere. So you better get used to it. You know, you're not going to play a great game every week. Everybody knows that. So I like that he's stuck with his guns. He put his foot down. You know, he put his foot in the sand and said, no, we're he's not going anywhere. We're finishing the season. He's going to be back next year because we're building something. This is year one, folks. I, I get it. Yeah, but I get one. that we're building something. Mississippi State just pulled the plug on a coach who's nine games into his career as a head coach there. So we're what's the difference? State. We're not Mississippi State. So I, I get that? that. But all I'm saying is Satterfield is not the right guy to be the offensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Listen, you watch back some of these plays and there are guys open. But I got to think he is not telling these kids to read the defense. Otherwise, there would be a hell of a lot less turnovers. You look at his last three seasons as an offensive coordinator, his offenses have been bottom five in total giveaways. And I got to tell you something, Tiesel, for everybody to say, well, Nebraska doesn't have a real quarterback. Doesn't matter. 
South Carolina had Spencer Rattler, a guy that Soul was on here saying, we want Spencer. Come to Lincoln. And listen, if Spencer Rattler had come last year instead of Casey Thompson, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. Maybe Spencer Rattler wouldn't have been bottom five in total giveaways in South Carolina last year. Maybe he could have been a Heisman winner with Scott Frost as his head coach. You never know. The world is full of what-ifs. But I got to tell you something. Satterfield needs to go. Well, Visa, I think we all know that Rattler wasn't going to be any better under Scott Frost. We didn't have a quarterback succeed under Scott Frost, especially in the turnover category. You could say that Martinez put up the stats, but in the turnovers, they were always to the other team. So I think Rattler would have came in and done what Rattler does, turn the ball over. And that's what our quarterbacks are doing this season, and it's ridiculous. And to your point, here's the change I'm making this this next week against Wisconsin. I ain't playing Harbor. The guy is horrible. The guy can't throw the ball. If he wants to come in the game as a running back or maybe like a, a jet screen and I, you know, hand it off to him or something, hey, I'm all for that. He's an athlete, but he is not my starting quarterback for the rest of the season. I don't care. He, I mean, if he was going to be my starting quarterback, he wouldn't need to finish off Michigan State. And then at that point, we made a bowl game with the guy, so I'm riding or dying with him till the end of the season. But the way that I see it, if he's our starting quarterback against Wisconsin, against Iowa, we're ending the season with five wins. It's already done. I, we're not going to a bowl game if our best offense is through Harburg. See, I, I agree with you on that aspect. I don't think Harburg's the answer at quarterback. I don't think any of these guys is the answer at quarterback. I think this quarterback room is atrocious. Listen, you could look at every other quarterback room in the Big Ten, and I would take it over ours. That's how bad this team is. The guys have no no care for the football. They don't care if they turn it over because there's no repercussions. Listen, you throw you throw an interception in the game, 100 up-downs right now on the field. <laughs> I, I don't even care. We're taking a delay a game. We're taking 12 men on the field. I'll take the penalty for that. I want 100 up-downs on the field. I want you to be embarrassed at Memorial Stadium. Camp Randall, do it out there. Do it everywhere. And the reason... Tesol that Satterfield is not going anywhere has nothing to do with Matt Rule is building something. Matt Rule knows who he is. He knows what he is. Satterfield has been around with him since the beginning. He was at Temple. He was at Baylor. Hell, he was even at the Panthers before he left Carolina to go to South Carolina. Listen, this guy is somebody who Matt Rule is comfortable with. He knows he's going to do what he wants. And I get that. To some degree, that's what you need. However, when a guy doesn't know how to coach, you got to pull the plug and you got to get rid of him. This is Tim Beck 2.0. Pull the plug, get him out. I disagree with you there, B-Saw. Get him out. I disagree 100%. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. These guys are wide open on these plays. If we just throw it to the correct guy, we're Why are you throwing? all of these games. Why are you throwing the ball? We are on our fourth string running back. And I got to tell you something. The kid looks like he can carry the load. Give him the ball. Well, B-Soul, that's short-sided thinking. And I'm Give a him the ball. big, I'm a big-sided thinking kind of guy. You know, if, if you want to win the West, you know, we would have already won the West. We would have ran it on every play, not thought about the future. We would have won That's the West. That's all I want. I want to win the West. Not me. Not me. Not Big Dog. I was talking to Big Dog, and I'm 100% on his on his page with this one. It's not. I, listen here, Scoopers. It's not about winning the West this year. It's about setting yourself up 
to win national championships. It has nothing to do with the Big Ten. has nothing to do with the Big Ten West. has nothing to do with the new opponents you got coming in. It's all about winning championships. If you're going to compete for championships, you're going to come out of the Big Ten. Ain't that strong? As simple as that. I mean, yeah, you got tough teams in the Big Ten. You don't have that many elite teams. And, you know, Michigan's digging their own grave, and so is Ohio State. So it's going to be up for grabs in two years, and that's what Matt Rule is going for. And with Satterfield, if he gave up on passing altogether, which is clear as day that anybody with a brain would do this year if the goal was to win the Big Ten West. But if you do that, you then lose everything you were building for the next couple years because now these players don't know the offense that you plan to run down the road. And and so next year is going to be just as bad offensively as this year until people start stacking the box and then you got nothing. So it comes down to you run the plays that you're going to run. You point to your recruits and the transfer quarterbacks and say, look, this guy sucks. He drops the ball or he throws it to this guy. And this guy's wide open every time. There's somebody open in every single play and we're throwing it to the wrong guy. That tells me, if I tell a random quarterback in the portal, hey, you see this? There's a job for you here because these guys aren't good enough to be where Nebraska needs to be. Now, T, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a quick question here because, first off, I don't think there's any way that Big Dog went out here and said, we don't want to win games this year. We're looking for losses to win for the future. Absolutely not. That's a ridiculous take. Absolutely, you should run the ball and win the West this year. I get what you're saying, but you just backlogged and went against your take. You said you are running these plays. Yes, absolutely. You said you are running these plays so that your team that you have now collectively understands the offense to be more successful next year. Correct? Correct. That's what you said. So how is running these plays with a quarterback who doesn't know how to take care of the ball throw the ball, do any of that, going to help you next year when you're bringing in a brand new quarterback who has to learn the whole system again. That it's right not there just is a quarterback. It's, it it's is not rotating. just a quarterback. It the is, running backs are in every play. The, same thing. The, the wide receivers are in every play. The so, tight ends, the offensive line, the defense. So, I mean, the, so let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Going into next season, <laughs> going into next season, you are telling me Emmett Johnson is your number one running back. He might be. And he is gonna he is gonna leapfrog two guys on the depth chart. Two guys who are injury prone. That's that's fine. I'm just I I'd like you to lock it in. So Emmett Johnson is is gaining confidence here by us saying, sorry, Emmett, we don't trust you to carry the ball a hundred times. Well, we kind of do, but we'd prefer to give looks to these freshman wide receivers who don't understand the route tree. That interception Purdy threw, first off, he didn't read the play. That's part one that's an issue. Second, he threw to a spot that wasn't open because Malachi Coleman didn't run the right route. That is an issue. He gave you, they gave Purdy a 50-50 ball. Matt Rule came out and said, 50-50. It's a two in, third guy goes to the corner. It's to the corner. It's either a touchdown or incomplete every time. Do you wonder why it was a pick? Because Malachi Coleman ran up, initiated contact, and then tried to break in. If you know your route is in to draw the corner out of there, you break in on your first step. You don't run up the field three yards. 
Well, breaking news to Purdy, and you know he can he can have a conversation with his brother on the phone who will tell him. Do you plan on going to the NFL at all? Nothing is going to be the way it's drawn up on paper. You got to hit the guy who's open because anything can happen on any play. If if the corner just falls down, but but your number one read is you know the tight end on the seam route, you better hit the guy where the corner fell down. If the if you know if the safety shades in and and you're running an out route and but that's your third read, you better hit the third read as your number one because of what just happened on the field. And so he actually should have threw that ball to Malachi Coleman and it would have been a touchdown. Because that that uh who was it? The corner? The corner was shading on the other guy because he saw him coming in. If he throws the ball to Coleman, Coleman's in the end zone. So that's on Purdy, and he's got to understand that. Like, just because this is your number one read doesn't mean you only look at the number one read. But that is where I'm saying the issue is. I don't think they are giving these kids the opportunity to read the defense. I believe the play comes in, and it is, you are going to this spot. And the reason I think that, the Purdy interception is only one of the reasons. When you look at that Jeff Sims interception, where he overthrows Billy Kemp, granted it's an overthrow, where he throws it to Billy Kemp, into triple coverage. Jalen Lloyd breaks to the inside on a post and you throw it to the guy running an out route where Jalen Lloyd's guy stayed. They were running zone defense there, shaded to Billy Kemp, and they left Jalen Lloyd wide open. And it's not like he couldn't see it. If he's looking to the left where they are at, you see them cross, you see both receivers right there, and you threw to Billy Kemp. Because why? Because I guarantee you the play was drawn up. Billy's going to be open. Get the ball to Billy. It was an overthrow. That is why it was picked. But I am telling you, Jalen Lloyd was wide open. There wasn't a guy 10 yards near him. And with his speed, he would have scored. The issue there absolutely is on Satterfield and the coaching. Maybe so there, Beasel. But, I mean, let's just think about the facts here, Okay. We don't have that great of an offensive line. We simply don't. So you don't have time to go through all your reads. So maybe at that point in the game, we were getting hit because we were getting hit a lot out there from the Maryland guys. They said, throw it to the number one read, you know, and that's it. You you don't even have time to look for a number two read because our offensive line is horrible. And so that's also the same thing moving forward. It's like, you'll be able to go all the way down the list if they fix the offensive line like the plan is. Yeah, I I think there's two things here on the offensive line play. First off, I I think the only guy who has played consistent all season has been Ben Scott. And that's why he's an award finalist at this point in the season. Now, <clears throat> or on the watch list. Uh, the other side here, Tiesel, is let's give them some credit. Rayola so has put these guys, because when is the last time that you looked at the field and you said, oh, my God, Ben Hart sucks. A lot. I said it a lot this past game. Ben Hart didn't do a lot this bad this last game. This line whipped on blocks all yeah. over the place. Let's yeah. look at the stats. Teddy how many, and how many sacks? How many sacks did Maryland get this game? Uh, how many one. knockdowns did they get? How many, you know, hitting the running back in the back in the backfield did they get? A lot. Because our offensive line is not good. They're not horrible, you know, like the last couple of years. They're not good by any standards, you know. 
No, they, the I'm not tape. saying that they're very good. But all I'm telling you is this offensive line has taken a step forward the last couple of weeks. Okay, I can I can agree with you there. They took a step forward from where they were, but you know we're still in the mud. You know we're still waist deep in the mud. If anything, yeah, we're waist deep because we're throwing the ball with guys who don't know how to take care of the ball and don't know how to throw a freaking pass. This is Tim Beck throwing the ball with Taylor Martinez. This is all it is again. Well, here's my thing for against Wisconsin. If I'm the coaches, I'm starting Purdy because Jeff Sims got plenty of starts. Harbor got plenty of starts. It's time to play the younger guy. It's time to play Purdy. Wisconsin ain't that good. So, I mean, look, looking at the stats, you can lean on Emmett Johnson. You know, he had 17 carries, 84 yards. As Beasel said, we got to give him the ball more if winning the West or, you know, making a bowl game is super important, which it is, but winning a national championship is more important than that. So you got to set your team up to succeed for next year and the year after as well. And we got to run more quarterback runs. I mean, Harper, he had two carries for zero yards. If this guy is a running threat quarterback, what the hell is that? Yeah, I, I think to start with, when you look at this team, if your goal is to set it up for success for the future and everything, you would not be playing these seniors. These seniors aren't going to help these freshmen get game time looks. You're in the final three games of the season where you can utilize these freshmen who haven't played so that they can still redshirt for the year and you can see what you have. If that was your goal was to punt the rest of the season and just see what you have and build for the future, they'd be doing it. That isn't their goal. Their goal has been all season to make it to Indy for a Big Ten championship game appearance because at this point, you don't have a prayer shot next year when the Big Ten changes away from divisions. And so that's always been the goal. So now, after fumbling two very good opportunities these last two weeks, you now have to hope that Iowa loses out is what you need to happen. It's very possible mm-hmm. Iowa could lose out there. I mean, I'm not saying it's Iowa's not. not that We're strong. one of their games. You need Iowa to lose to us and to lose to Illinois. And I haven't been impressed by your potential Big Ten uh, West champion there, T. So you must not have watched the Minnesota tape <laughs> with those guys. And speaking of which, B. So do you still think that it's not going to happen that P.J. Fleck is going to get fired? Because I've been reading reports all week where people are calling for his head in Minneapolis. So what do you say about that, Beasel? <laughs> He's very quiet over there because he knows that one's about to cash and that one's about to cash big time. Yeah, T, I do think it's a possibility that PJ gets fired. Fired, However, it also wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota decides, hey, listen, when's the last time we were relevant? This guy's had us at nine wins a season. You know, they don't want to cut off their nose to spite their face because they're not a football school, so they'll deal with it. Also, if you're trying to see that your hot take's going to cash here, you need him to get fired before the end of the season. And so you got two weeks here. And let's be real. I don't I don't know that that's going to happen. Well, Bissell, if you remember correctly, we said that the end of the season is after the national championship game. But... I never specified. That's not what we said. That's never, not what we no, said. No, 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 no. I never specified if it was Minnesota's football season 
or the Sully Scoop you season. And the Sully Scoop no. season lasts all the way until mm-hmm. April there, no. folks. That's, so that's, we, got a, yeah. we got a couple of months for, you know, P.J. Fleck <laughs> to tread water. And I think I'll outlast him. Yeah, that's uh, that's not what was agreed upon, nor that's not what was said. Your uh, hot take was they would lose to uh, no Northwestern, and it would cost him his job before the season ended. And Minnesota's season is going to end short this year. You're right. It is going to end short because they're not going to make a bowl game, and that is going to light a lot of people's hair on fire in Minneapolis. I don't know that it's going to light a lot of hairs on fire. There's not enough people who care about Minnesota football. Well, they're definitely going to get smoked by Ohio State this week. I mean, you don't even have to talk about that one. And then they got to finish the season against Wisconsin. And Nebraska will do me a lot of favors if they go out and beat Wisconsin this week because then that means next week Wisconsin's got a lot to play for with Minnesota. And they'll be playing to see loser goes to a bowl game or winner goes to a bowl game and losers out. And I think at that point, I think Fickle might be riding a little hot because he's inheriting a team that hasn't missed a bowl game in a long time. And if he costs Wisconsin a bowl game in his first season, people are going to start questioning him. Absolutely. I think they will. Now looking ahead to uh, this Nebraska Wisconsin matchup here, T I got to ask you this uh, matchup predictor where they're giving Wisconsin a 70% chance to win the game. Wisconsin's got a five-point edge in the spread right now. That, that's a joke. This is the same team that was just, they've been atrocious as they've been atrocious as of late. Yeah, Bezo, I'm shocked by that too, but I get giving Wisconsin the edge, but I'm not going to give them a 70 to 30%, 70 against Nebraska's 30 edge, because that's, that's ridiculous in my head. I mean, Wisconsin is not that good of a team. They're not good at all, actually. They're just as bad as we are. We lost Michigan State. They lost to Indiana. You know, who, who did they lose to this week? They lost Northwestern. Northwestern. We lost to Maryland. So Northwestern, we beat. You know, you could argue that Wisconsin beat Maryland. But, you know, it's a pointless argument because they've been losing to teams worse. So the point being is this. I would give Wisconsin the edge because they've owned us. I mean, we haven't beat them since 2012. So I would give them the edge just because the history is against us, but Nebraska might be due. And this is the year to take advantage and swing the pendulum back in our favor and hold on to it for who knows how long, because you got to take care of business. I mean, this might be the worst Wisconsin team we've ever seen. And, you know, we've we've been, we've been worse than what we are. And, you know, Wisconsin had to walk it off in overtime or on, you know, a last-second field goal the last couple of years. We've been playing close games with them. We're better than what we've been, and they're worse than what they've been. So do the math yourself. Nebraska's got to come out and win this game. Absolutely. And listen, uh, like I said, Nebraska's got to come out and win this game for a, a ton of reasons. If this team comes out and finishes the season on a four-game losing streak, that your last win was a dominating effort against Purdue at home. You got embarrassed by Michigan state embarrassed by Maryland that if you lose to Wisconsin and you lose again to Iowa, there's you are basically saying, listen, we didn't get any better than we were the year before that. That is the same 
fashion that this team would have lost games under Scott Frost. And okay. so you really, you really need to win this game to start changing the narrative of this Nebraska football team. If Matt Rule wants to say, hey, listen, you know, it's year one. You know, you got to give us time to build it. No. At, at this point, you've gotten to five wins. You've lost to four teams that you shouldn't have. And you now need to win out to say, listen, there's progress throughout the year. You started 0-2 against two teams that you should have beaten. Then you beat two teams that you should have. So you're at 2-2. Two and two, You get embarrassed by Michigan. And then you go on a little bit of a roll to fall off the wagon here if you lose out. Matt Rule's got a lot of explaining to do, and I think he'll feel the tension and the hot seat very soon. <clears throat> well, B-Saw, I'm definitely with you. We definitely need to make a bowl game to give me any confidence mm-hmm. moving forward. I told you I only dipped my toe in, so you're really feeling it because you dove in there head first without realizing there was a sheet of ice on the top. So you might have a concussion or something. You got to check yourself out with the doctor. I mean, like the rest of us, I've been riding that the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. After that three-game win streak, I didn't think we were losing another game on the season. And, you know, mm. now that we lost Michigan State and Maryland, I don't think we're going to win again this year. We're we're right back to where we were, highest of the highs, lowest of the lows. We go out there, beat Wisconsin, take care of business. Look, Tiso doesn't care what happens against Iowa if we beat Wisconsin. I don't care what happens against Iowa. You know, Iowa's showing they're the best in the West this year. Let them go get embarrassed by Michigan. Let's take care of business against Wisconsin get the extra practices in and go smoke whoever we play in the bowl game. You get it all together there. You let the people who don't want to be on the team leave, you know, early for the draft or whatever they want to do, you know, probably not the draft. They just walk away from football at that point. So that's what I tell you. Let's go out there. Let's beat Wisconsin, take care of business, not sweat it out until the very end against (laughs) Iowa. Who cares about that game at this point? You know, they're going to be in the championship game. We're not going to be. And then let's win our bowl game is what it comes down to for me. Yeah, I I think at this point, I think we need to I think we need to win out for Matt Rule to to feel confident going into next season. And for Matt Rule to feel confident or for you, B to feel confident? I'll feel confident either way. Listen, this this team is building for the future. Uh Matt Rule's a good coach. He's a good So if Nebraska builder. loses out, you're gonna feel confident into next year. Uh, after we win the off season again, absolutely. I'll be confident come, come September. Um, the other thing that does make me, um, feel good about where this program is going to, and just it's the athletic department as a whole is Trev Alberts getting that eight year extension on his deal to remain our AD. Trev has done a lot for the university since coming in and taking over for Bill Moose. And I got to tell you something, T. I, I was high on Moose when he took over. Moose did a lot of good, don't get me wrong. But Trev, to me, has an opportunity here as the athletic director to build a university athletic department up and restore it back to its premier or premier goal, um, back to its premier glory days in the football program to continue the, the historic success of the volleyball team, to get the basketball team to a level where they can compete in the Big Ten. And I think Trev is on the right path here. And that's why I'm not surprised the university gave him that extension. And it does make me ecstatic to be a Nebraska fan. 
I'm there with you, Bisa. I think Trev's been doing everything right. He clearly cares about the university, you know, and he's pushing everything to the forefront. And, like, just think about that volleyball matchup in Memorial Stadium. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about how good of an AD that Trev Albert is because, you know, he set that up with with the coaches of the volleyball and the team of the volleyball. Somebody had a good idea, and instead of shooting it down, they made it happen. And they made it happen. It became history all over. And Nebraska's on the front page everywhere. The volleyball team is undefeated, which is unreal. I mean, they're ridiculously good. Undefeated. I mean, we might have to start talking about Nebraska volleyball over football because they actually show up and compete and actually want to be out there and win. And sometimes I question that with our football team. But Matt Rule's been doing a good job. Not a great job. We're not there yet. He's been doing a good job, though. I mean, after we started out two and three, I looked at that four-game stretch of winnable games and said, best case is two and two. And we ended up going three and one. So losing to Michigan State was almost bound to happen. And looking at those final three games, I looked at it and said, best case for us is one and two after the Michigan game. And... You know, we're we're all in one. We lost to Maryland. That was probably the game I picked as a W. You know, at the beginning of the season, I picked it as an L because I thought Maryland was going to be better than they are, which they're not. But point being is this. I looked at Wisconsin and Iowa and said, no way. And here we are with a chance against Wisconsin and Iowa. And I picked it one and three. I I shot under before. Hopefully I shot under again, and we do win out. And, and you know, if we went out and, as Bissell said, Iowa loses to Illinois, we go to Indy instead of them. If they if they beat Illinois, they might look at our game as just bragging rights, nothing more than that. And so that could be another good opportunity for our team to just go in and take care of business. And that's that's the thing. I I think there's going to be a lot riding on these next two games for Iowa. That it's not going to surprise me if they fold, especially with the rumor being that uh, their top DB Cooper Jejean isn't going to play the next two weeks that he's done for the season. Now, neither Illinois nor Nebraska are big passing teams. They like to be, they're not. <clears throat> so I think it's going to come down to it. But Illinois, if Iowa this week is without their top DB, watching what Illinois quarterback did against Indiana last week, Paddock had a heck of a season in his first start there. And so could you see magic in a bottle twice there? Could Paddock be the guy to take over and really make a run for Illinois and put Iowa basically at the point where last year we got to play spoiler against Iowa. We kept him out of Indy that can Illinois play spoiler to make them have to go to a must win game to get back to Indy against Nebraska where they choked last year. I definitely think so, Bissell. And that's because, I mean, Illinois has a lot to play for against Iowa because they got two tough games in the season. You know, they have to play at Iowa, and then they got Northwestern coming into town. And frankly, Northwestern looks like one of the best teams in the West right now. I, I might even put them over Iowa at this point. Northwestern is is definitely not a gimme game for Illinois, so they know they got to take care of business, so they're going to sweat it out against Northwestern to make a bowl game. And, and frankly, Brett doesn't want to not he doesn't want to miss a bowl game for Illinois because that's when people start questioning if they made the right decision of bringing him in. And personally, for me, 
if Illinois ever gets to six, win- six wins or more, and I know that they were last year, I think an eight-win squad, why would you ever think about firing your coach? I mean, Illinois is a program where if you succeed, the entire conference looks bad. Purdue's in the same category. Indiana's in the same category. If they look good, the entire conference looks bad. I would I would have to agree with you on that sentiment there. When when you've been the bottom of the barrel for so long, if you start winning, everybody's going to question the strength of the conference. It's exactly right. Until you start winning some big games, Illinois hasn't won anything, anything recently. I mean, they made a a Rose Bowl back in 2005 got smoked by USC, so doesn't even count that they went there, you know? So I think Iowa has a great shot at beating Illinois, obviously, and going to the West, but it's definitely not out of the realm. I mean, I, I would have thought at this point in time it was going to be a four-man race between Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, and we were all going to have to play it out at the end, but now we're in this predicament where, you know, what are we? Five out of the seven teams have the same conference record, and we're all sitting at five and five. So everyone wants to make a bowl game. So And we, we all play each other these final two weeks. That's what it's yeah. going to come down to. No, and that's that's exactly it. And I think even if Iowa happens to lock up the Big Ten West this week against Illinois, let's say Illinois doesn't show up, Iowa wins 10 to 3 or 10 to 9, whatever it ends up being and they beat Illinois, they are still going to suit up and try to give Nebraska their best. That there's there's no lock for Nebraska to make a bowl here. We have to win out to get to Indy. We have to win out, in my opinion, to feel confident to end the season here. Because I was going to suit up after we kept them out of Indy last year. If, they're, if we lose to Wisconsin, I was going to say, we can keep those kids home. We can stop them from having a bowl game. And I bet you they all suit up for that game. Oh, I don't think that you're wrong. I mean, that's a a really strong budding rivalry. When when I say they're playing for bragging rights, bragging rights mean everything in this rivalry. I mean, a lot of people live over the border and are fans of either team. You know, Omaha kind of runs into Iowa. So a lot of people are very familiar with each other, and they see each other all the time. And so bragging rights, specifically for the fans, is a ton, but I want to jump this back to this Wisconsin matchup we got coming up. I don't know what to expect in this game. I just know our offense is going to turn it over several times. I think Wisconsin's going to turn it over several times because they don't look that great either. I think this is going to be an ugly game, B. So I'm expecting eight turnovers minimum for the both of us. Yeah, I I don't think eight combined turnovers is going to happen in back-to-back weeks again. Um, I'm just hoping if Quinton's back this week, I think that's going to stop the big playability on the outside. I think Quinton being out last week is part of the reason that Maryland was able to get a couple deep shots off. And listen, I neither one of these teams is scoring at a prolific level. I think Braylon Allen is still a very talented back, but is he going to be 100% healthy after he was – Knocked out last week. This Nebraska defense is going to have to play stout. They're going to have to try their best to not get bullied by this Wisconsin offensive line. And the defense is going to have to create takeaways against Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai, you know, is not 
the most accurate passer, but he also isn't the, you know, most um, turnover prone. I feel like Nebraska's got three very turnover prone quarterbacks and it worries me because there is a part of me that thinks we're going to see an awful lot of Chubba this week. And I don't think that bodes well for success. So you think an awful lot of Harburg bodes well for success? I, I mean, Harburg's won five games. He's also lost two. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm putting those last two losses strictly on him. It's hard to it's hard to put all of the Maryland loss on him. Oh, but it is. But it is. Because that so, if, if you recall our first drive, he threw a pick, got bailed out by a penalty. The team went for it on fourth down, picked it up, which was an amazing call. And then he throws a pick to midfield again. I mean, what is the guy doing out there? So again, T, with him not playing the whole game, I'm not saying it would have been a different outcome. I'm just telling you. I don't think you can put the entire Maryland loss on Harbor. I'm putting Michigan on him and I'm putting Michigan state on him. The Maryland I think was a combined effort. And I think honestly, Jeff played more snaps. And I think Jeff is the reason we lost that game. Well, Jeff <clears throat> hasn't won a game. So me personally, I'm not, that's my point. Oh, and three. Right. Yeah. And those games, we, you know, the team should have won. So, yep. That's why I'm starting Purdy out there. And and I think he'll put us in a position to succeed and win. I but I, th- I think I think Harvard would put you in a position where you can win the game too. Maybe if he's taking a knee and we're punting because the guy throws an interception every other drive. It, he's not quite that excessive at it. But yes, there are a lot of turnovers. He fumbles more than he turnovers. throws interceptions. The point being is this. I'm more confident if we just take a knee and punt the ball and play the field position game versus going for it all, throwing a pick, or fumbling because that hey, uh, gives them way hey, too much momentum. Hey, Brian. Brian, we, we want to score more than 22 points. Maybe we need to bring him in because he knows how to win these types of games. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I've been dealing with it for however long. You know, people are blaming me, the offensive coordinator, oh but God. the talent level yes. sucks. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not, T. So we are not bringing a ferrets into this program. Can you? Could you go out there and succeed with Io's offense? Yes. And actually score points is what I mean. Yes, Iowa has been succeeding with their bad offense. Yeah, and and I would score more points than Brian Ferrets's offensive average. So you. You'd score a touchdown and then miss the extra point. All I got to do is lock down 12 points a game, T, and I I think I could do that with that Iowa offense. Fair enough. But, you know, looking at this Wisconsin game, not a lot of confidence coming from the Nebraska side. I know there's not a lot of confidence coming from the Wisconsin side. So, this is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss. It's a night game in Madison. You know, the energy is going to be there, and it'll be fun. And hopefully Nebraska can get out of Madison with a win, finally. Because we've yeah, never won I, in Madison. That's exactly it. I think I think that would be the biggest win of the season for Matt Rule's team. If the Huskers come out and they can win in Camp Randall – 
that is a true away game, that is a hostile environment, and it's a night game. And, I mean, we have to go back three coaches before you find one that actually beat Wisconsin. So that's something to be said, too. Riley couldn't do it. Scott Frost couldn't do it. Mickey Joseph couldn't do it. And that's that's exactly it. And when you look at it, too, yeah, Bo Pelini's the last coach that beat Wisconsin, but he beat him on his home turf and then got embarrassed by him in, what, three weeks, Barely, four too. weeks later? They had to mount a big comeback in the fourth quarter, 18-point comeback. So yep. they barely got away with that win against Wisconsin. Yeah. But you also had a quarterback who was a game-changer back then. And you had stu- stud running backs. Absolutely. I mean, that not- that team in 2012 was was stacked. Yeah. And then they got out-coached in the championship is what it comes down to. Because that team, they were way better than getting run off the field by 40 points. So you got out-coached in the championship game, and it showed. Yeah. And and I think that's what I think that's what Nebraska football is missing, honestly. When you look back at some of these some of these teams, and again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on a Mike Riley team because you know there were a lot of good guys out there that were on the team, but you didn't have any of those dogs there. And I mean, even Scott Frost brought in some talented guys, but you didn't have anybody who was like nobody wanted to fight with. You didn't have that guy who kept the team in line. When you go back to some of those Bo Pelini teams, I mean, come on. Defensively, you know, whether it was linebacker, safety, D-lineman, you had these guys that were dogs that nobody wanted to fight. Corners is another example. That it was like they went out there and they were like, I'm better than you. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do this. Did we lose some games? Absolutely. But that never wavered their confidence. That never, you know, made the guys question themselves. And we don't have anybody on the team really that feels that way. I think the only guy who maybe is walking around with that swagger is Tommy Hill, but Tommy Hill gets beat like every other play too. So, you know, the, the side of it is, is Tommy Hill is probably the closest to that dog on defense but he needs a lot of help out there because the safeties are out of position. You know, the defense isn't really playing to his strength. And we just, we need some, we need some guys out there who, who want to win, who wanted, wanted to be their team and want to take advantage of it. Well, you're forgetting one guy, one guy in the past 10 years, who was a dog. That was last year with Trey Palmer. That guy was a freaking but monster. that's yeah that's a good that's a good comparison there but you know trey palmer was when he came in but it was a guy who was part of the transfer portal and that's the only transfer out of the transfer portal honestly that we've hit on we've brought in some good guys but he was Tory, a game changer Tory we hit on samari Tory, yeah hit on. he was he was a good player but he wasn't a game changer I'm talking Trey Palmer was a game changer. Levante David, when they got him out of Juco, game changer. Randy when you Gregory had it was a game changer. Game changer. Right there. Those were guys that could take over the game and handle it. And you haven't had anybody like that. You don't have somebody on this team who they're like, we got to stay away from him. Right. We don't. You got a lot of good players, but I don't know that we've got anybody who I would say is a great. We don't have anybody who's going to do it. And, you know, maybe some of these freshman kids are going to, you know, take the steps and grow and stuff like that. And, you know, I certainly hope they do. But I'm really hoping Matt Rule takes a look at the transfer portal this year and hits it hard. I mean, 
let's face it, T, I know this is going to get a lot of blowback, and I think it would be something that could be good. I mean, can we look at who did a lot of the recruiting back when Bo Pelini was the head coach? And can we bring some of these guys in as like, you know, analysts or, you know, just people who go out and do the recruiting side of it? I mean, we just, we want some of those guys who got it. I don't care if you're a two-star. If you got it and you're going to come in and you're going to grind every day and you're going to hit the weight room and be the best guy on the field, those are the guys we want. We want those guys who want to be here, want to win, and want to do it. We don't want these guys who are like, oh, man, I only played three games last year for the team, so I'm going to transfer out. We don't want the guys who want to play a certain position, and so when they get told they should play another one, they transfer out. And everybody knows who I'm throwing shade at since he's finally played the position we told him to, and he's having success. Yeah, but he just didn't like Scott Frost. And let's be honest, not a lot of people did. And here's what I'm going to tell you, Bezel. I agree with you about this dog, and we, we need him out there to plug him in and out. But I think our defensive unit is better and stronger than Bo Pelini's defensive units. No, and they're not. No. They, no, no, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Which Bo, which Bo Pelini defensive unit are you saying this is better? Because if you're saying collectively as a whole, absolutely not. Hold on, listen to this, B-Saw. Listen to this, okay? That Those two years with Sue do not count because that guy was the That's best fine. college football player That's fine. we've ever seen. And right. if you plugged him in on this team, they would be shutting people out left and right too. And you know yeah, Absolutely. I, I agree but, with you. But here's what I'm gonna say: the difference between Nebraska's current defense and Bo Pelini's current de- or Nebraska's or uh, Bo Pelini's defense is at Nebraska, except for say the Nandamak and Sue position. Bo Pelini had a bunch of NFL players on his defense. I mean, a ton of guys all over the field. That's Safeties, my point. Corners. He went out and he got the guys who wanted to work. He that's got the guys point. who wanted to play and wanted to do it. And that's what I'm saying we need. We need somebody to go in and say, where do you see yourself in three years? That's the point, B-Cell, but you didn't let me finish, okay? How many uh, how many NFL players do you think we have on our defense right now? Like, legit, maybe, like, maybe two. We're talking maybe drafted two? only. Only yeah. drafted. Because I, all those guys you. we talked about with Bo Pliny got drafted. So, yeah, if we're looking at that, this defense that we have this year is putting up stats like low numbers and stuff and and maybe that's something to be said about the weak offenses in the big 10 versus the stronger offenses we saw in the big 12 but the point being is this if we can land two or three of those guys who have potential to be drafted on this defense i mean you're talking about being one of the top three defenses in all of college football with this system that we got because this system is incredible i look across this defense and say i don't think anybody's getting drafted i mean i'll be frank about it i don't think any of these guys are getting drafted nash is the only one but he needs more seasons under his belt to prove it so if if i plugged in like alfonso denard and prince of mucamera on one side i got gomes back there and will compton i mean i got drafted guys all over the field I don't see that with this defense. I I truly don't. But they're playing great as a unit, and there's something to be said about that. And so if they start if they start convincing better players to come in and play for this defense because they see how great it is, 
this defense that's great will become amazing. And now you'll get some actual ball hawks who go in there and some linebackers who just take people out and defensive linemen who just can't be stopped. That's where we're heading, and that's what we need to start hitting on. You know, we got some good guys. We got we got some guys that we don't know, like Cameron Lenhart. He's showing he's showing potential, but we don't know where that potential is. He hasn't played long enough. Same with Humanin. You know, we don't know where that potential is yet. I do understand what you're saying, T, but what I'm trying to get across is I think there's a couple guys on this defense that'll probably get a chance, whether that's drafted or undrafted free agent, any of that. I think there's a couple guys on this team that probably will get that chance. And yes, two completely different defensive systems. I agree with you. And I really like what Tony White has done with this 3-3-5. All I'm saying is I don't look at this team and I don't see a guy on the roster who is that guy. On the offense, I don't see it. On the defense, I don't see it. I agree. We don't have an endowment. But that's my point. We don't have a Jared Crick. But even if you look at that, I mean, I'm going to give you a guy who I think was the hardest hitter. Two of them. They both played safety under Bo Pelini. And, you know, I think they were two of the hardest hitters I ever saw. Only one made the NFL. And I got to tell you something. They made people pay for going across the field. Again, different time when before targeting became the biggest thing in the world and safeties really stopped hitting guys across the middle. But you had Damian Stafford, who had a short career in the NFL, but I think he got drafted. Um, and if he wasn't drafted he in the late rounds, the Titans. Yeah. yeah, I know he played for the Titans, but Damian Stafford was a huge hitter. And after Stafford left, you had Corey Cooper. And I think Corey Cooper was the hardest hitting safety I've ever seen. I mean, that guy was out there to make you pay for trying to pick up yardage against him. And who on this, and granted, we've got five DBs out here. Who out there is making you pay for looking for yardage? All these guys are out there and they're letting you catch the ball and then hitting you. The only person out there who from the safety position seems to be making plays is Phelan Sanford. And I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's hitting people, but he's not hitting people. Yeah. And I don't see I don't see linebackers handing out punishment. I don't see defensive linemen taking over games. No, they, it's it's solid like form tackling. It is not a big hit. It is not making people regret coming to play you. This is listen, very good defense. I'm not taking anything away from it. Not a black shirt defense. That's the point, though. There, be so they're a great th- this season. They're a great unit out there, and they can be really great when they start hitting on the right recruits to come in and plug plug in these positions. Because right now, right now, we're a team of of guys who've been here who wanted to stay here, guys we've hit on the transfer portal. And a lot of freshmen. I mean, let's face it. We've seen a ton of freshmen out there plugging in and out. They're plugging all these guys in. All these guys know the system now. They're playing great together. They're communicating out there. That's something we haven't. We, I mean, Scott Frost's defense never communicated. They were all out there playing hero ball. Like, I'm counting out my sacks and my tackles. What are you doing over there? You know? Well, that guy yeah. just blew his tap. That guy just blew his coverage because you were focused on the tackle for yourself. And now that guy's wide open for a touchdown because that quarterback actually wasn't going to run the ball. And 
See, I, I agree with you. I think, I think when you look at it for next year and you're looking at trying to get these guys in, they have to hit on the transfer portal, a couple key positions. You need, you need a very skilled wide receiver. Listen, love Billy Kemp, not the guy that we needed. We needed another, you know, we needed a dog at wide receiver. Billy Kemp is a very solid receiver and he deserves to be starting and out there for us, but he is not that guy. He did not come in and, you know, immediately become our number one wide receiver and target. So you need a wide receiver, number one. Number two, you need a quarterback because I don't think that Danny Kalen is going to come in and immediately start. He probably becomes our best quarterback when he comes in, but you need to hit in the transfer, transfer portal on a QB. And after that, you need a linebacker. You need somebody who has experience and has played the game. I, I would almost prefer a grad transfer for a guy who's like kind of a fringe NFL player, but a guy who has consistency, hasn't missed a game, can really, you know, give these young guys some direction and some help here. Because when you look at some of these recruits that we've got coming in, there's a handful here that I think can make an impact day one. I mean, let's start Carter Nelson, tight end from Ainsworth, Nebraska. Carter comes in instantly. Number one, number two tight end, depending on how Fedoni finishes the year and if he stays healthy. After that, the next guy, Caleb Benny, you know, he is a legacy at Nebraska here. He's going to come in. He plays safety. He's a guy who can hit. Then you've got Willis McGahee's kid coming in, linebacker. That right there, it's a guy with NFL blood in his talent. Knows he's got to come out. What it's going to take every day to produce. That is something that I love to see. And then another thing that I really like is Mario Buford. You have a kid coming in whose brother is on the team. They, Because of the age difference, they have never played together. And so this is an opportunity because of COVID and because of Marquez's red shirt that he's getting this year for the medical reason, that you have an opportunity to put the two of them together on the field at the same time for two years. Marquez is going to start next year. Buford is a solid safety. And so if he comes in and he's starting and his brother knows, I got an opportunity to be out there with my big bro. I got an opportunity to show him. The two of them could feed off each other and really hone in that safety uh, position and make that defense just so much better. And so I love to see, those are just a couple of recruits that I love to see that I think really have an opportunity to make an impact next year early on. Yeah, I'm with you there, Bisol. And let's just see, let's just see what happens because for we can, you know, we need to hit on a lot of these recruits. And, you know, we gotta hit some diamonds in the rough and we gotta hit and this defense will be great. We gotta hit some offensive linemen. We gotta hit a lot on the offense. Really, every every position for me going into next year is wide open on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I don't I don't think I think there's players who are going to start next year or be in the conversation to start that are on the team right now. But I don't think there's anybody that you lock in and you say, you know, instant, you know, there's there's no competition for them. I think everybody has an opportunity where they're still going to have to earn their spot next year on the offense. I'm with you there, B. So, but you know what? Let's focus on the game at hand here. That's Wisconsin. And. What do you? How do you think this game is going to turn out? I mean, you know, I think there's going to be eight eight turnovers. 
Yeah, I, I think it'll be a sloppy game, too. I think both teams are in a need of getting something going right their way. And, you know, just based on what I've seen this year, Wisconsin can't score the ball. Nebraska really can't either, but at least we can put together some drives and get down the field. I think our defense is going to remain stout. I think they're going to, you know, put up a good fight against Braylon if he's healthy or any other Wisconsin running back. I think Mordecai is an average quarterback for Wisconsin. I don't think he came in and is doing what they thought he was going to do. And so I'm going to take the Huskers to eke out a victory here. And honestly, I'm thinking this is going to be similar to that uh, that Iowa score. Maybe, you know, maybe a little different, but I've got Nebraska winning the game 17-9. to Very interesting there, BCLC. I'm playing a different game. I've been picking all these wins, been losing. So I actually have Wisconsin holding on to a win. I I just think if you drop your game to Michigan State, you drop your game to Maryland, I don't think that you're going to be good enough to go in and beat the Badgers in Madison. So they just got- they just dropped the game to Indiana and they dropped to uh, Northwestern. What makes you yeah. think they're better than than us? Just from what I've seen for the last 5 years, it just tells me like I look at it say we're way better than these guys and yet we still drop the game somehow. So I got Wisconsin coming out on top of this game 14 to 10. I think it's going to be very similar to Maryland. You know, can we eke out a victory? Sure, but I'm not going in here expecting it. Yeah, I could definitely see it unfolding the same way that Maryland did, but I'd like to think that Nebraska is going to have to wake up. I think they're going to take more chances on offense. And I expect Nebraska to come out trying to score in the first half and actually do some damage early on. I sure hope so, B-Saw. And, and I told you, man, if they come out here and, and beat Wisconsin, I mean, I'm right back into it because I'm focused on bull game or bust. Bull victory or bust is what I'm saying. I, You know, if we make it to Indy, great, but we're not going to win in Indy. So I'm telling you, it's bull game victory or bust for in T-Saw's book. And no, yeah, five I, and seven, if you get an invite, doesn't count in my book. Well, you got some fair points there. But thanks for joining us on another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with B-Sull. And T-Sull. And don't forget to follow us and listen anywhere you get your podcast to the Sully Scoop. Follow us on Twitter at Sully underscore Scoop. And mention us in a comment on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, anywhere, if you'd like to join the panel on a grandstand gossip. Go Big Red.